Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Hour number two, Kevin and I continuing to put the fun in functional sports content on a summertime Tuesday. Kev, you can wear white, by the way. It's officially summer, and I know people on Twitter seem to think that, you know, you're getting fit, you're getting swole, so you're going to be rocking white this summer? (laughs) Man, listen, who knows? If this goes well enough, I might just have to... Make a phone call to the higher ups and let them know I'm wearing tank tops only on air, dude. Let's <laughs> go. 10,000 steps. <laughs> Loving it. All right. In any event, now that we've truly continued to put the fun and functional sports content, I want to talk about some of the big time stories that cross my radar, at least in the NFL. You know, Kev. We've been talking about one very big contract, you know, which at one point we thought was going to be like $40 million a year, or at least that's what he wanted. But we're finding out now that Dak Prescott will, in fact, sign the franchise tender. Looks like that is $31.4 million. Our friend Adam Schefter put that out recently. So that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the franchise. So just like Kirk Cousins, right, we kicked the can down the road for these teams, but obviously Dak will be there for the 2020 Dallas Cowboys. Kev, we have pretty much said, right, he is very high on my list on all eyes on you this year. I believe Drew Locke fits in that category as well. But for Dak, tell me how this winds up, Kevin, because I believe, you know, okay, he's going to play with all the bells and whistles and toys he has. I think he's going to put up some stats. How does this story end, Kev? Are they going to ultimately just have to give Dak even more? Or is this the last year Dak Prescott's in a Cowboys uniform? So I know this. Dak's won. Not a lot of, you know, when it comes to these things, it can, it can you know, it can get tricky. Dak's won. So um, the way the franchise. So the, fr- the way the franchise tag works is if you want to do it again, you can, right? But yeah. this is, you know, I, don't yes, I, big time. I talked to you about, like, those articles that are attached to the very obvious news, and you're like, ah, does those articles have anything in there worth anything? Right. They do. They do. Um, so Schefter writes that um, the potential uh, of his franchise tag for next year increases yeah. by a mandatory 20% next season. Meaning twenty percent of thirty one point four million is a cool six point two million. Yeah, so it says that it is going to be thirty seven point seven million with a flat or lower cap in twenty twenty one, which means regardless of the salary caps and how much it can be impacted by COVID, he gets thirty seven point seven next year if you put him on the franchise. And what we learned from Kirk Cousins, it ain't all that bad. Right. If Cousins won also because his franchise has kept on escalating. And here's what happened, Kev. Eventually, it got unpalatable for the Washington franchise to, you know, keep doing that. Right. And then the rubber hit the road. So I agree with you, Kev. It's going to happen with Dak and Dallas. Which way? Like when they hit that fork in the road, which, okay is not this summer, but is likely going to be next summer. How does the story end, Kev? I mean, I think. I think that they're going to have to give him a deal before July 15th. I think so. Because if you don't give it to him this offseason, then he'd be silly to take it next offseason. 
Because again, he's going to get thirty-seven point seven million dollars. Right. He's going to be like, the highest paid franchise. My ass. I'm cool with that. And the thing is, I think there's also a third year in a row you can franchise yeah, someone. But you're crazy. paying him like fifty then million. It gets crazy. You and can't do like it. When Washington was like, "All right, we'll end the charade with Kirk Cousins," and you just let him walk. So the Cowboys could have two more seasons of Dak and let him go, and just let him walk. And if they personally think that that's the best option which would be surprising to me. But if they do, then that's the scenario we see play out here. But because of the leverage that Dak's now created, I think that they're going to have to offer him the exact contract that he wants. And maybe not exactly. There's you know right. usually a middle ground in negotiation. But the yeah, big like sticking point... <laughs> right. Yeah, which we're never going to see. Um, <laughs> but apparently the big difference is Dak only wants four years versus the five that Dallas wants to offer him. And yeah. that right there shows that Dak is, is, is like, listen, listen, listen. I'm looking to get to the next contract. So don't be silly here. I'll roll these franchise tags out, okay? Because yeah. I'm all about maximizing profit. And that's what he's here to do. Okay, so let me ask you this way. You're right. They could franchise tag, kick the can down the road, and it becomes eventually untenable for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Mm -hmm. Or they can be like, sorry, bro. Uh, we don't think you're worth it. Go ahead, right? Call our bluff. Go ahead. You know, call Bill Belichick if you'd like. Cool. We're going to roll with Andy Dalton. Or they can sack up and pay the man, right, after this year. And we think he's going to put it out there. So let me ask you this, Kev. You are Jerry Jones. Let's say you are Jerry Jones, right? Mm. Dak Prescott had a pretty damn good 2019, Right? What does and, and and I can tell you the numbers, right? Forty nine hundred yards, uh, thirty touchdowns, only eleven interceptions. I believe he ran also. I'll get his rushing. You know, he also ran for say two hundred seventy seven yards. Remember, he was like QB three, I believe, in fantasy. Going off the board as QB three again this year. If you're Stephen Jones, remember how we play with the running backs? Like, what do they have to do for you to be like, okay, I'll extend them instead of chew them up and spit them out? Mm -hmm. Apply that to Dak right now. The man threw for 4,900 yards, okay? Had his team in contention. Three to one at touchdown to interception ratio. What does the man have to do for you to choose, like, option C, sign the man long term? What does he have to demonstrate for you if you're the brain trust of Dallas? He's already done it. He's, He's already, already done, done it. it. You I, I mean, you would pay the yeah. man. You would have given him a four-year extension. I mean, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, right? Dak versus Wentz. Which one do you take? I think it's close. I personally. That's right there. You know, that's okay. fine. That's to me. I agree. I think that's the answer. Okay. I think it's close. Yes. One of them's paid already. Correct. That's the level of quarterback that's they what are. I think Dak is better than Jared Goff, and he got paid. Right, and but that's why I used I used I Wentz because you. like. No, because I knew, I knew the golf answer, and that and that's all too easy. And yeah. you say, well, that's more of yes, a mistake I think made close. by the Rams. I think I, – I, I personally think Wentz is slightly ahead of Dak, and I put Wentz in the – you know how I call it, the tier one quarterbacks, right? Yeah. I put Wentz just in that group, and I put Dak just out of that group. But that's me. Okay, right. so – Call Wentz for me something like quarterback nine in the league and call Dak something like quarterback 12 in the league for me, something like that. But I do believe it's close. The question is, has he done enough? And if not, Stephen Jones, what more do you want the man to do? I mean, that, look, the thing is, 
What more does he have to do? What is he, He's been know? in the playoffs twice, right? They were the number one offense in football, I believe, last year. They were, and they were number two by DVOA. He's won a playoff game as well. He's got that under his belt. Right. Now, again, I've offered to you a number of times, and I will continue to say last season is a really difficult one to figure out. Couldn't beat good teams. Finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Had a great offense. What was the issue? And I don't know if they've looked in the mirror enough to figure that out. Maybe they just think it was bad luck. Regression will be kind to us. I'm not sure that's the case. I'm not sure that's the case. Maybe it will be. Maybe they will be 12-4. and four. Maybe they will be the one seed in right. the NFC. I think that's all possible. I'm not sure. They've got an interesting start to their season. I, I just think number one in the league last year in yards per game, you know, number two in the league last year in passing yard differential. And that sounds like Dak Prescott to me. You know what I mean? Like number two in the league in passing. Yard, it's what do you want him to do? Yeah. And, and I mean, again, like you can keep going through any of these numbers that you want Sixth and in the league in points per game. Like, what you know? They have the offense they need. It's led by Dak Prescott. He's young. He's the face of the franchise. He's an African American quarterback that has commercial endorsements. What do you want? Yeah, I just think that I think it's been somewhat obvious now that they should pay him. The, the here's the, the the problem with Dak. Part of it is he hasn't been able to sh- like. When you're a four, fifth round pick, you people don't expect it. So when you do it, they question that how real it is. Pick. Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Kirk Cousins was a third round pick. Jimmy so, Garoppolo was a third oh, round pick. I know this, but people are but people just don't like they just it takes them forever seemingly to change their opinions, right? We talked about how Russell Wilson, like only recently for right. the the majority or the the, the large majority, understood just but how good this from dude game was. to game manager, right? Right. Dak, when he entered the league, right, we were like, ah, Zeke's better than him. The offenses that still ran through running back is at the best offensive line in football. And then they missed the playoffs, and then they come back, and they win a playoff game, but we're like, ah, Zeke still matters more, and I don't know about this team, and Jason Garrett's terrible. And then last year, the problem is last year, in his career year, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. So the story was how bad they were. And right. it wasn't how good he was. And you know what? Like, now, I remember I told you about a lot when we did the Cowboys spotlight. There was a lot of fluky stats where they were bottom five of the league that could regress. I don't know how much of a big deal it is, right? Uh, but that eight and eight could very easily, with regression and luck, be nine and seven or ten and six if Dak performs the same way. Yeah, and there's a lot. You know how they do like expected wins? Like they like they were a team that was expected to win like ten games based on last year's performance, a ten and a half, something like like they should have been better than they were, but they weren't. And again, if that's all, Jason Garrett. Maybe. And, like, you brought Mike McCarthy. I, I, are they of the belief that Kellen Moore is just going to be able to do this with any quarterback he sees? If so, you made the wrong head coach in Mike McCarthy. Because <laughs> Kellen right. Moore then will get picked up next year. That's, and that's a real thing. I, I just don't know. I just don't know what they're waiting for. Because yeah. what's also been odd is, like, they gave Zeke his money. We waited on it. But Amari. they gave it to Zeke. They gave it to Mard. They gave it to Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah. Like, one, and Dak's a quarterback. What are we doing here? Yeah, This should be the biggest no-brainer on the board. I think so. I agree with you. $31.4 million, though, is not a bad consolation prize, if you ask me. But you're right. Dak, remember, is going off as QB3 in fantasy. And based on what he has done the last couple of years, you know, I think it is an acceptable range for him. Uh, 
two of the Bucks players test positive for COVID, <laughs> you know, Kevin. I mean, that's what's going to happen as we start testing more and more. But I bring up the Bucks also because, you know, we've talked about Jamal Adams recently demanding a trade. We talked about the seven teams that were on his list. Well, apparently Tampa is on his list as well. The idea of um, – you know, whether they're a contender or not, I know people do think so. And here's the thing for him, that would be getting reunited with his former coach, the defensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Todd Bowles. Think about how Todd Bowles could use a guy like Jamal Adams on that defense, a defense that already has JPP and others up front, a defense that drafted, I always get the wrong Devin here, Devin White. Bush. White. Devin White in the linebacker level and the Swiss Army knife that could be Jamal Adams, who we believe is one of the top safeties in all of football. You know, he wants to go back and play for Todd Bowles, his old coach. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. I'm, I don't know, man. I think he might be out of there. I saw a video the other day. Someone in Dallas saw him driving by. They said, Jamal, you coming to Dallas? He said, I'm trying, man. Yeah. I don't know. He even put on social know. media, it's kind of time to move on. No hate for the Jets, but it's time to move on. Please don't move on, Jamal. Stay and be the flagship here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I going around now in the NFL news and notes. Obviously, Dak Prescott is a big story. He'll be there. You know, Jamal Adams is something we are following. And, you know, there's there's tea leaves to be read. You know, Kev, we talk about familiarity in this offseason all the time. Mm -hmm. Jamal Adams, no different, you know, kind of maybe wanting to reunite with his former coach, the defensive coordinator of the Bucks, Todd Bowles. But there's some other things that happened over the weekend. First, I need to get your take as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Dallas Goddard, right, kind of emerging stud tight end in the two tight end set. By the way, whenever Zach Ertz does move along, and I believe this is the last year of his contract, Dallas Goddard is going to step right in. So by the way, people in dynasty leagues, get Dallas Dallas Goddard now, but something he was involved in an incident, Kevin, over the weekend. I, I don't know how else to say this, bro. He's at a restaurant and he gets sucker punched out of nowhere. There's even yep. video of it. Dude just runs up on him and, you know, cold cocks him. Um, I don't know all the details about this. I know you probably do as a big time Philly fan. What happened here? Was someone just jelly of Dallas Goddard? Someone have old beef? There was a baby mama drama. What's going on? Who, you know, why are people just cold cocking Dallas Goddard in restaurants? Yeah, I mean, it looked like he was kind of face-to-face with someone. And someone and, just ran up into the screen and popped him. Yeah, and then someone came from the side. Yeah. With the, uh, I, I mean... To make the thing is like he actually had to go to the hospital, so it's like he got knocked out. Like, oh, he was out for a yeah. while. Like the rest of the video, he ain't moving. No, it's I mean it's it's not good. It's I, I I'll say, <laughs> I look there's there's two things that that I take away from this. The first is the injury stuff, man, is wild. Like we already lost Brandon Brooks. Oh, now yeah. we gotta like see what's going on with Dallas Goddard because he got punched. Like we're 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 inventing new stuff. But very very um, excited to announce to all uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans, that we are going to win the Super Bowl because it's now been made patently obvious to me that this is a team that cares. Avante Maddox, uh, one of uh, the players in our secondary, wrote, yeah, lucky I wasn't there. Would have been some problems. 
Oh, they all stepping up now to defend the teammates? And Rasul Douglas was like, swear to everything, I'd be in jail right now. Vontae Maddox said, swear, bro. Like, so to me, I mean, listen, if they're, if, if they're, like, they love Dallas Goddard, they care, they're ready to ride. Right. Take that anger out on the Dallas Cowboys and the Giants, right. you figure it out, and they're going to be good to go. So, listen, when one door closes, him getting knocked out, another door opens, this team cares. Team chemistry, huh? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. All right. So yeah, all you got to do is like sucker punch to be a vital cog of team bonding. You hear that, everybody else? Maybe the Cleveland Browns. Maybe Baker needs to get cold cocked at a club and everyone will come together for him. But I digress. You know, that was a – you know, it's interesting – he got punched, but obviously we'll see. I think he'll be fine, you know, for training camp, unfortunately. The last piece of news here we have to report is a completely different tone and a somber note. Unfortunately, Max Turk, offensive lineman of the Los Angeles Chargers, formerly of USC, only 26 years old, Kev, um, passed away over the weekend. He was on a hike. Um, it seems like it's, you know, no um, foul play or anything like that. Just at the age of 26, on a hike, um, passed away. And so here, uh, all of us here at the early line, all of us here on SportsGrid, obviously, uh, we send our condolences to Max Turk, uh, offensive lineman of the Los Angeles Chargers. Just a sad story at only age 26, Kev. Yeah, it's, um, man, it's always sad to see this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 25. Mm. Um, you don't, like, and don't again, like that, you, right? just, you know what I mean? Like, you, you expect to, you know, to be here for as long as possible, man. And um, yep. it's just, it's so sad to see, like, you, there's just so much that, that was ahead of, of for him. And, yeah, it's just, it, it's always so sad. Of course, we send our deepest prayers and condolences to um, those that knew Max. And um, yes, it's absolutely. awful, yeah. And the Chargers family. And, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned that you're 25, uh, Max is 26. There's a lot of things happening on in our society right now, right? Giving us perspective, right? You know, under the pandemic of COVID, you have to take every day is precious. You never know, right? Under the idea of the evolution of our society, you know, people, uh, people of color are literally making the point that I, when I leave my house every day, I don't know if I'm going to make it back home mm. if I get pulled over, right? And that is becoming a real, uh, a real concern and one being validated by all elements of this society. So I take it, um, you're right, Kev, life is precious. And unfortunately, um, it was extinguished for Max um, over the weekend. We send our condolences out to his family, his teammates, and of course, the entire brotherhood that is the National Football League. Kevin, as we move on, one of the things that I have been using as kind of a thesis, right, uh, for the last few months, I've been saying I'm noticing that the run game in teams for the NFL you're moving away from the bell cow, right? And we've talked about that impact in fantasy sports. We've talked about how teams are adding a third running back to really have this kind of quote-unquote RBB3 that I go to. You know, we talked about Jonathan Taylor getting drafted with the Colts while they had Mack and Hines, the same in Green Bay, the same in a lot of other places in Kansas City. San Francisco has always gone at it with multiple backs. We know about New England. And so what I wanted to do was really play it out and see, Kev. You know, I think... Would you co-sign on this, Kev? I believe there are four categories of backfields okay. in the NFL. There's one category where you've got a bell cow, you've got a workhorse, okay? okay? Main dude, RB1 in fantasy kind of dude. 
I believe there's a teams where what we'll call a timeshare, where there are two guys that are involved, right? Yeah. Uh, so the, the level of maybe something more like a 60-40 or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's now what we're seeing, which I believe is becoming in vogue, what I call the RBB3, right? Where there's like three guys. And that's the frustrating ones, right, Kev? At least for the fantasy aspect. Because you never know on any given day how it's going to play out. Maybe there's different roles. Maybe there's the vulture at the goal line. And here's the fourth one for me, Kev. And this is the one where I think is, you know, the one I'm adding. And tell me if this resonates with you. The fourth category of teams in the rushing game are teams where the quarterback makes up a legitimate percentage of the rushing attack. You know what I mean? Where, like, if you look at Lamar Jackson, I don't know if it, we would call that the RBB3. Kyler Murray, I don't know. But there are teams where the quarterback is a legitimate piece of the pie. Okay? okay. So if those were the, uh, the categories, yeah. and if we went through the teams – what category do you think would have the most? Mm. Okay. Well, let's do the process of elimination. Team. Yeah. Right? Just your knee jerk because then we're going to test it out. It's almost, Kevin, like we look at the futures bets before yeah. doing the game-by-game -game schedule. Yep. I want to get your assumption, your, your, your hypothesis on how those four categories play out. And then, you know, with the rest of the show, we're going to go team by team and kind of identify what teams are in what spaces to understand this for prop bets, for under-overs, for fantasy. Um, so what do you think it breaks out? Do you think it's almost like a quarter of the teams in each category? Mm. No, I don't. Process of elimination here. I would say that the quarterback um, group is the least. Maybe less than five. I All right, I'm going to give you five teams that fit that category. Okay. Roughly. I mean, we'll see. I guess okay. it depends how legitimate. I'm, but but that'll be an interesting group to go through. Okay. Um, I would tell you. are there? The bell cows and maybe less. I would say that that might be the second fewest. Hmm. That I'll give you. Available. I'll give you what nine or ten. Pick one. We'll go ten. All right. So you think maybe ten teams that have like a bell cow, a workhorse yeah. status guy? Okay. So that's fifteen teams in the league. So you got seventeen teams left. How many do you think will get like a timeshare? And how many do you think there will be legitimately a three-headed monster? I would say so. I've got I've got 17, 17 yeah. spots left. Yeah, I would prognostication. We'll go yeah. through it. I'll break that down. 11 six. 11 in terms of the timeshare. 11 the two, a two-headed monster. Yeah, and maybe six with a three-headed monster. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. If it played out that way, Kev, like mm -hmm. I'm getting these bell cow running backs as soon as I can, right? In the first two rounds of, say, a fantasy draft, because I don't want to worry about the timeshares or worry about teams where the quarterback makes up a chunk. We'll see how many bell cows there are. Yeah. Then we'll see about the good B sides, right? Um, I, I buy that prediction. I think it may be just like that. So let's start to go through them, okay, Kev? Is sure. that cool with you? Yeah, I'd love to. All right, and let's start to track this. Our guy Martino, help us out. Kevin, help us out. I'll try and track this as well. I'm going to go off of our, our, our guy Steve, our great graphics guys. We're able to put together a lot of this data. And so what we're going to do uh, is go team by team. And what I'll do, Kev, is I will tell you kind of the percent of the pie. Mm of the top two or three players, okay? Yeah. And we'll use that 
to figure out what category they go into. Okay. All right. Let's do it. And we'll do it kind of quickly because we want to get through all the teams. we got about, you know, two, half an hour left in this show. And let's see what we learn. All right? Yeah. So Arizona's first alphabetically. Kenyon Drake was 31% last year. David Johnson, 28, excuse me, 24%. And then Kyler Murray was 23% of the carries. I got to figure Arizona is one with Kyler Murray having a legitimate chunk at 23% of the carries for the team. You buy that? So this, to me, is actually one of the more difficult teams to pin down. Because Kenyon had a bell cow workload in the eight games that he was in Arizona. Yeah. Kyler is still... Kyler's not going away. His 93 attempts is relevant. Again, Kenyon was there for half the games and and, and got him like... Like... Kenyon, bless you for playing eight. That's easy math for me. 246 carries. Like someone like Chase Edmonds, though, gets into the, you know, fray a little bit more with the David Johnson being backed out? Maybe. I mean, there's there's got to be some Chase Edmonds there. I know some people are interested in Eno Benjamin. Yeah. I agree. This is a tough one. I think, I think it's Kyler, though, with a QB real chunk. I would I would say this, and I guess this is where the QB real chunk thing is a little bit interesting. Is does that mean that I am inherently lower on the running back because I think the quarterback is taking? That might be one of your takeaways. I think what we need to do, similar to how after we go game by game and I refer back to you, now what futures bet do you want? One of the things I may ask you, like in this context, because I agree with you, Arizona is a little bit of a difficult one. Are you higher or lower on Kenyon Drake? You know, that's the way I want to play it out. That's a great example. We started with one of the tougher ones in Arizona. A lot of these other teams I do think will be clearer because obviously, remember, Kyler Murray, I believe, among quarterbacks was the second highest rushing quarterback, obviously behind Lamar Jackson. But Kyler Murray getting 544 rushing yards last year is a bigger chunk than every quarterback outside of Lamar Jackson. So we started with a difficult one, but that 544 yards represents a significant chunk. We go through the uh, other teams in the NFL to try to see how the how the construction of running backs and running back rooms are happening these days. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I are looking at, you know, the good old theory about the running back timeshare, the workhorse, the bell cow, the committee, and, you know, the running quarterback. What does this mean in terms of the pieces of the pie they are all getting for their teams? We did Arizona, which was a interesting one. I also think Atlanta is interesting. Listen, Atlanta had Devontae Freeman last year over 50%. He's not there. Todd Gurley is. Then Brian Hill had 21 We don't have to consider Matt Ryan or anything (laughs) like that. They bring in Todd Gurley. Does Todd Gurley maybe mean this could be a bell cow team? I got to tell you, every single time we look at the Falcons, Todd Gurley gets higher and higher up on these ADP boards, man. We spoke, uh, feels like maybe a month ago, to Evan Birchfield of uh, the Falcons. He was high on him also, yes. like, listen, expect a lot for Gurley. 
I'm expecting a lot for Gurley, and you see it here. This is a this is a bell cow opportunity. This is. I agree. This is a bell cow opportunity. Gurley's still going as a high-end RB2. I agree. One of my takeaways here is there's the potential, health notwithstanding, that if he's available, he can really go back to being an RB1. I think you're right. When we look at Baltimore, I think it is obvious. I don't care if they bring in J.K. Dobbins. I don't. We know there's Gus Edwards. We know there's Mark Ingram. But the fact remains, there's Lamar Jackson here. So to me, this is a quarterback real chunk kind of team and a committee after that, right? Because Ingram there, you know, Dobbins is going to get some work. Gus Edwards still there. This is a big time committee with a quarterback taking a significant percentage. Lamar Jackson had 30% of the rushes for the Ravens last year. Mark Ingram, only 34%. Yeah, even Justice Hill grabbed 58 yards. It's the biggest committee um, that any running or that any rushing attack offers you. Right. But it's also the most potent rushing attack the NFL offers you. And that's why you can still find guys that are going to be fantasy viable. But yeah, the, the, the Lamar Jackson category is going to have Lamar Jackson. Sure. Exactly. And and here's the other thing I learned from this, though, Kev. You know, when someone like Gus Edwards, who's the third most used rusher, still has 23%. And then I think about a guy like J.K. Dobbins. To be quite honest, with Dobbins and Ingram, because they're such a committee, I don't know that how much I expect out of any one of them. You know, they're a rushing herd for some level. Balt, uh, Buffalo is up next. I think they are interesting. Their biggest chunk last year is no longer there. It was Frank Gore at 35%. Now, I know Singletary kind of was ascending. I know Josh Allen is in there as well. Josh Allen makes up 23%. Zach Moss comes in there. I think he replaces, you know, pretty much Frank Gore. To me, how do you play this? How do you want to play this? I can see the argument that Singletary and Moss make up kind of a pure timeshare. And I can also see you saying that because of the presence of Josh Allen, who did in fact run, you know, for 510 yards and 23%, Buffalo's really a quarterback driven, uh, a quarterback real chunk team. They are to me undeniably a quarterback uh, chunk team, if you will. He ran the ball over 100 times. Okay. He had, and I don't, I didn't realize it was this high. He had nine rushing touchdowns, Josh Allen. No that's, one is QB six or seven. I think like, this is a real piece of yeah. it. And like that's and it's that's not even like a fluke. Like right. in his Thanks. rookie season, he had eight. So uh, from that alone, this is a situation where the quarterback factors in to whatever yeah. you're thinking about here a ton. Absolutely. So we have Baltimore, Buffalo, and Arizona, all quarterback teams. Atlanta, another potential bell cow team. Our next our next one, I think, alphabetically, is the most obvious bell cow I can see. We're talking the Carolina Panthers, where Christian McCaffrey, you know, was 75% of the touches. Second was really Kyle Allen, who's not on this roster anymore. You know, they paid the man. Obviously, CMC is a bell cow. Most people are taking him 1.1 in fantasy, correct? Yeah, I mean, the bell cow. Like, yeah. the Christian bell cow McCaffrey. Like, I, there's nothing I, to even I, talk about. I think we can keep it moving. The next team is the Bears, which, listen, this is a surprising one to me. David Montgomery had over 60% of the rushing attempts. Now, Trubisky, almost 200 yards. I I don't know if that's above the barrier for you for the rushing quarterback. We've already got four. I know we're going to have a couple of others. I almost want to say like 200 yards. I think Trubisky may fall just out of it. You also think Nick Foles is going to be there this year, who would represent 
less of it. And then there's Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen is one of those out-of-the-backfield guys, though. You know what I mean? His running the ball was only 16% of the teams last year. He only carried it 64 times. You do that by games. That's, what, four a game maybe? Is there a path for David Montgomery to become more of a bell cow than you might think? Especially, Kevin, because in your season, Nick Foles is the quarterback. Yeah, so this is a situation where I was very surprised. And I think underwhelming production maybe muddied the water on our perception of David Montgomery. opportunity is the other part of that equation. And the thing was, he was coming in to replace 250 carries left on the table from Jordan Howard. And he picked up 242 last year. Look, he averaged only 3.7 yards per carry, but if he's just a better running back in year two, this has been the most encouraging thing that I've seen for David Montgomery the whole time. I would still, though, offer to you this being a timeshare because I don't know, unless we're taking it out of the equation, the passing work that might still be available. Because Tariq Cohen had 104 targets last year to Montgomery's 35. Yeah, and I agree with that because, listen, when you think about it for fantasy, right, Tariq Cohen has a lot of value as well with Montgomery, but that's more of the, this is more of the, I would call, remember a few years ago when what was in vogue was the term the thunder and the lightning kind of timeshare, <laughs> right? I think this is one of the prototypical right. lightning and thunder ones where it is two guys, but the roles are really clear. You know what I mean, Kev? Unlike, say, Singletary and Moss in Buffalo, yeah. here the roles are a little little bit more clear. I buy that. Next one up in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon was 72% of the pie. Giovanni Bernard, I don't even think he's still in Cincy, to be quite honest. I would be comfortable considering Mixon one of the few bell cows, would you? Yeah, I think he's definitely a bell cow. I think this is an offense that with the days go on, I continue to get more excited about. Um, yeah, Mixon's a, Mixon, he's not McCaffrey, but he's, he's pretty easy to figure out to me. I agree with you. I believe he belongs in that category, bro Mixon. Uh, yo, speaking of bro, impressive debut out of your boy Matt Riddle on Friday, but I digress. The next team up is the Cleveland Browns. This is an interesting one as well. You want to call this? Because listen, Nick Chubb is going drafted as an RB1. Right. Nick Chubb is being drafted inside the top 10 or 11. And that's the space usually reserved for bell cows. Right, Kev? But you got to consider Kareem Hunt. If you're going to consider Tariq Cohen something that makes Chicago a timeshare, isn't Kareem Hunt something that makes Cleveland a timeshare? How do you view this one? Take Baker out of it. I don't think he I don't think unless you want to say that he moves the needle with his 140 rushing yards. I'm kind of thinking 200 is that barrier for me for quarterback. You could disagree how do you see cleveland is chubba bell cow or is he in a timeshare with kareem hunt is it possible to be a bell cow while in a timeshare is that possible i don't know i I mean the thing with chubb is we saw last year the arrival of kareem hunt mess things up a bit right he wasn't getting... And that was over eight games, right? So yeah. next year, over all 16, how will the division of labor, the pieces of the pie, look? And and he completely got rid of the... I mean, I mean, it completely got rid of what he had going for him in regards to the passing game, Nick Chubb, with Kareem Hunt coming in. So it's a it's a real, real tough team for me to exactly defined so you know, I, timeshare, I'd, aren't you? I'd lean towards timeshare I think though. so no? then here's my question I I, I you, I'm picking up what you're putting down here's my follow-up question right 
is this cause to fade Nick Chubb a little bit as RB one, as an RB one? Yeah, I've I've kind of you know what I mean, right? Like he's gonna be that. sitting there for you early second round of a draft, and all sorts of rankings have Nick Chubb deservingly so at that level, but you seem to be a little concerned by the legitimate threat posed by Kareem Hunt. Is that enough to have you pass on Nick Chubb if you're drafting early in round two? I, and I think what it does for me is, is it, it moves Chubb from a tier. He's not this okay. Derrick Henry, right. Dalvin Cook group. Okay. I think he's the Aaron Jones, Josh Miles Jacobs. Sanders, Echo. Yes. Okay, fine. So you're draw, you're using that to draw the line of tiers, right? <laughs> and who's above that line? The bell cows, Kev, right? That's yeah. where we go. Speaking of bell cows, I believe there's an obvious one for our next team, the Dallas Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott. Do we need to say anything else? Zeke Elliott, bell cow, confirmed? Yeah. I mean, he's obviously a bell yep. cow. Uh, Dak is involved in the Dak rushing attack. Play, but... You but know, not. 277 rushing yards, but Zeke is one of the biggest bell cows, I believe, in the entire NFL. Denver's an interesting one, Kev. Last year, Philip Lindsay, 54%. Royce Freeman, 32%. That does not count some others, you know, like the uh, Hendersons of the world and whatnot. But Lindsay, I have concerns with, but they brought in someone who used to be a bell cow in Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I'm going to hypothesize that this becomes a Gordon Lindsay timeshare. What do you say? I think that that is, it's at least going to be a timeshare. Oh, I would tell RBB3? you. We got an RBB. No, no. I, I think there's a world where Melvin Gordon could go bell cow here. Ooh. I think they could get real excited by him, but it should be. I mean, Philip Gordon Lindsay ran for a thousand yards last season. Right, but Philip Lindsay is a wee man who can't stand the rigors of a 16-game NFL season. Would it be even more valuable for them, in essence, to use Philip Lindsay as the Tariq Cohen role? I think, and again, I think that's the best case possible for Philip Lindsay. I don't know where he's exactly positioned in drafts, but for example, him versus Tariq Cohen, I think I'm obviously taking Tariq Cohen. Mm. So let me put your feet to the fire here. Timeshare or bell cow? We're going to go timeshare still, though. Timeshare, personally. All right, Denver, we have as a timeshare. The next team, <laughs> this one to me is just a cluster F. I think we have an RBB3 here. Uh, the Detroit Lions, okay? Last year, and this is part of my point, you know, last year, Kerryon Johnson led this team with 113 rushes, right? 27, 28%. Yeah. He got hurt. He's still going to be in the mix. They bring in Swift, who's obviously going to get a piece of the pie. But don't forget about guys like Bo Scarborough, who were valid at one point last year. Ty Johnson. I consider this an RBB3. What say you, Kev? We only got a couple of seconds in this segment. I think you can label an RB3, uh, you know, an RB3 that ends up being a bell cow by season's end with hmm. DeAndre Swift taking everybody out. I'd probably, I I'd might lean towards timeshare, though. I think it might just be carrying on in DeAndre. Uh, I like what you're saying, that it may evolve, but I don't think Kerryon Johnson goes anywhere quietly, uh, but he may be injured. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back again, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on sports grade. Kevin and I, listen, you know, Kev, this has been my thesis all season long, right? That the idea of the bell cow is evaporating, the wide receiver position is getting deeper, right? Kind of by definition as the as we play it out. So we wanted to see so far though, Kev. We only got one team where we think it could be an RBB3, right? In Detroit, where Swift is joining Kerryon Johnson and that cast of characters. Obviously, there's a few other teams where the quarterback is sort of that third leg of the committee, right? So the third option is like Kyler Murray or Josh Allen. And so those are sort of RBB3s as well. But we keep it going. The next team, I think we found another RBB3. And Kev, it's the one we were complaining about after draft night in Green Bay. Last year, Aaron Jones, 57% of the load. Jamal Williams was there, 26%. That's a legitimate chunk. And if you remember, he was injured for some of it, right? Uh, with that really ugly looking neck injury that he had early in the season, he then came back. Remember though, they drafted A.J. Dillon as well. And you got to think A.J. Dillon is going to eat into this a little bit. We've called Aaron Jones one of those backs on the last year of his deal where they may be chewing him up and spitting him out. So maybe they're planning for the future in Green Bay, not only at the quarterback position. With A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams, I call this an RBB3. I totally agree. And I think it's super frustrating because it should be a bell cow. Right. Aaron Jones right. last year right. was, was 130 more carries than Jamal Williams. He had 16 touchdowns to Jamal's one. He also, because I think the idea around Jamal uh, Williams is that he's supposed to kind of be like a pass-catching back. Aaron right. Jones out-targeted him by 23. Well, I think this still in there, if right. nothing else, to piss you off as a fantasy owner. But and watch A.J. Dillon vulture the touchdowns at the goal line. Well, this is why I totally agree. Again, I, I think what they should have been doing is weaning off Jamal Adams, getting more Aaron Jones. And Jamal, instead, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm expecting, yeah, excuse me, uh, Jamal Williams to still be a part of it. But you're not going to draft A.J. Dillon as high as you did him. and not use him. I totally agree. I think it's an RBB3. And Aaron Jones is going it's to be a Aaron pain. It's going to be a pain to figure out because he has the chance Bye. to be an easy RB1. And it has the chance to be a mess that you don't want to deal with. Right. And you're going to have to find the line where he's, he's your you. pick and where he's not. You know, part of his value last year, remember, he led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year. I can easily see where early in his rookie year, the A.J. Dillon role is vulturing the goal line touches. So I'm with you. This gives me a little bit concern on Aaron Jones. The next team is interesting as we go alphabetically. It's the Houston Texans. Last year, they're, I don't know if you want to call it bell cow, but with 56% of the load and its first thousand-yard season ever, Carlos Hyde was the biggest chunk of this. Deshaun Watson makes up a valid piece with his over 400 yards. It's going to be a little bit different this year. Remember, David Johnson is in there. He's a different kind of back. Duke Johnson is still there. Carlos Hyde is not. However, with the presence of Deshaun Watson there and his almost 19, 20% and 400 yards and his playmaking ability, I call the Texans one of these quarterback real chunk teams. What about you, Kev? Yeah, last year Watson had seven rushing touchdowns to high yeah. six. He led them in touchdowns. That right right away is going to give him some validity to this. I, I think you. it's a tough spot even how they're going to handle the Duke Johnson-David Johnson split. But they're more I similar think, backs than what Hyde was, right? 
Well, I think David Johnson has the ability to be a bell cow. He was, to me, at one point, the best running back in football. Right. I still think the trade idea was preposterous. Duke Johnson last year, 62 targets to Carlos Hyde, 16. Okay, but now, David Johnson, David Johnson's a 60-target, 70-target yeah. kind of back. Does Duke Johnson just fade into oblivion? That's where it's tough for me. Is Duke irrelevant? Are they versatile in what their right. backs can do? That they're 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 tough to pin down. David Johnson has bell cow ceiling in him. I'm almost glad as quarterback because yeah. David Johnson didn't do that with a running quarterback as well. Yeah, I'm glad that Watson is almost here to lock them and push them towards that. Answer, right. <laughs> yeah. Then I don't have to deal with the timeshare versus yeah. bell cow argument that right. is still there. <laughs> The Deshaun Watson presence is the trump card here and what category they fall into. Uh, next up, I believe we have another RBB3, Kev, with the Indianapolis Colts. Remember, last year, Marlon Mack was a big chunk, 53% of this. Naheem Hines, um, only 11%, but more in that Tariq Cohen ilk, big-time work in the passing game. There were other guys like Jonathan Williams, Jordan Wilkins, but this year— I think that gets soaked up, absorbed, and more by their second-round draft pick, Jonathan Taylor, out of Wisconsin. I believe what we're going to see is Mack, Taylor, and Hines in the Tariq Cohen role. I believe this is an RBB3, Kevin. What say you? Yeah, I think it'd be hard to argue. Uh, Marlon Mack last year had 247 carries, led this team with eight touchdowns, was really good. Uh, he also had an overwhelming 17 targets. Naheem Hines had 58. Like, you can tell that they were not looking for Marlon Mack as a pass catcher. I think that that number could find itself below 10 even this year. Jonathan Taylor, not known for what he's able to do as a pass catcher. Right. And they showed it last year. They won't force that right. with Marlon Mack only getting There's 17. There's a lot of buzz about Naheem Hines. You know, Frank right. White came out and said, listen, I can see him catching 10 passes in a game. Right? So, And, and Marlon Mack's 247. If cut in half, is it not enough for Mack or Taylor to probably justify an RB? What happened when Marlon Mack, you know, Mack had 1,091 yards last year. I would view Mack last year's performance probably as a, a decent RB2, right? But what's going to wind up happening is yeah. what I think, unfortunately, is Mack's going to have seven or 800 yards. Taylor is going to have 700 yards. And Naheem Hines is going to have 55 catches, you know, making them all somewhat viable. The truest, potentially, RBB3 in the league. I'm with you. Next one I think is interesting. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Leonard Fournette has bell cow tendencies, right? And I would give you that. He ran for 1,152 yards last year, 68% of the pie, over two-thirds. Okay, Raquel Armstead, only 9%. Gardner Minshew as a quarterback ran for 344 yards, Kev. That's surprising to me, that rushing total. However, one of the things we have talked about when we talk about the Jaguars, Kev, was they have Chris Thompson now. And I believe game flow is such that the Jaguars ain't winning any games and that Chris Thompson, a pass catching back under Jay Gruden, who's now the coordinator in Jacksonville, I believe that because Jacksonville will be down and because we talked about the Thunder Lightning, I believe Lennon Fournette and Chris Thompson could make up a very interesting Thunder Lightning role. I know Fournette has bell cow tendencies, 
My knee-jerk reaction is that this is more of a timeshare with Chris Thompson getting a lot more work than people think. I think this is a timeshare, Kevin. What say you? Yeah, I'm going to push back. Leonard Fournette is... So you and you know right, like I, I like my advanced analytic, uh, analytics and what have you. Fournette's kind of maybe a blind spot for me. I know a lot of people don't think he's actually that good. That a lot of the issues that he has in his run game is more to do with him than the product of his environment. Right, right. In terms of rushing work, he's undeniably a bell cow. And I know you're making your argument through a passing game. Leonard Fournette had a hundred targets last year, caught seventy six of them. 76% of his targets were caught. Not that bad. Why so this, bring in Chris Thompson? You need, you, they needed more bodies. I, I mean, it's, if you look through, like, you know, Raquel Armstead, and you know, like, you still need other, other yeah. back there. And maybe Leonard Fournette's gonna get, not going to get 100 targets, but Leonard Fournette's 250 carries and 75 targets, that's bell cow. That's bell cow. Uh... We're doing your category, so we'll we'll listen to that one. I do, and maybe I'm no, no, maybe I'm on an island here. Maybe he's just so much of a diamond for me. You know what I mean? I do believe Chris Thompson is going to get a little bit more of the pie than people expect coming in. But how much to where Fournette is no longer a bell cow? That's the like the targets are going to be dramatically different. I think his rushing potential will be similar. I think his targets are going to dramatically drop down. I believe they got Chris Thompson purposefully for, you know, garbage time, and he's going to get a lot of dump downs. But I could be wrong, but I think when, uh, you know, Jay Gruden's the former coach, goes and gets a guy to fill a role, I, I buy into that a little bit more than it sounds like you do. But, you know, you have a valid opinion, and we're going to have Fournette in Jacksonville in the bell cow uh, category. The last team that we're going to touch today is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Kev, this is an RBB like five <laughs> to me, right? Damian Williams was the toast of the town last year, okay? 29%. LaShawn McCoy was in there, 27%. Uh, there was other guys, Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson, even Mahomes himself gets over 200 yards. Let's not forget, they don't have Shady anymore. Fine. Everyone loves them a little Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? You and I bristle at the fact of how high even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going. The reason we bristle at that, right, Kev? I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the reason we don't think Edwards-Hilaire deserves to be some of the lofty ranks and projections that he has is because we think... Damian Williams is still there. You know, I believe in them bringing in DeAndre Washington on some level. There's still Darwin Thompson and Darren Williams there. Patrick Mahomes still will make up a chunk. I mean, he ran for 218 yards last year and missed time doing so. I know a lot of people love Edwards Hilaire, but Kev, I think this is an RBB3. I lean still a little bit more towards timeshare. Uh, you see okay. how muddy things were last year, but it was a Damian and LaShawn thing. The problem was they both didn't play a full slate. Damian was the lead man in just the 11 games that he played, and he kind of started to really take the lion's share of that role as the season went on. LaShawn McCoy is now gone. Mahomes is more of a scramble yards than a designed run yards thing. And also, I think with him getting hurt on a QB sneak, it'll be interesting just yeah. to see how willing he so is to— what about if I propose it this way? The three, right? Edward Hilaire is one of them. Yeah. Damian Williams is one of them. 
And then the combination of Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson, and DeAndre Washington is the third. I get Yeah, I mean, you've always put more into the DeAndre Washington thing than I have. Darryl Williams and Darwin Thompson last year make up a combined 20% of their opportunity, though. Yeah, again, the, the things, it was just the backfield was a bit of a mess. Like, they each only played 12 games. I think Clyde comes in, and I think it's him and Damian, the two horses uh, in front of everybody. the pie a little bit. Yeah, I think they're, I think they make up 85% of the pie. Okay, fair enough. You know, we will see. There's certainly a lot of bodies to give it to in case any of them get hurt. That'll about do it for us today on the early line. Tomorrow, we'll look at the second half of the league alphabetically, and we'll start to pull out more of the takeaways, right? Are we fading Nick Chubb because of this? Do we like Devin Montgomery more because of that? All that and more as we teach you how to fish tomorrow. The morning after is up next. For Kevin, I'm Dane. Have a great day, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.